time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey, everybody, and welcome. It's Chrissy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here, and this is episode number 96 of our podcast, where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens. We drink a ton of coffee. I'm talking a ton. But most important, we hug chickens every day. And kiss them too, don't forget. We brew coffee from a little coffee house here in Bel Air, Maryland. Holly Ann, what kind of coffee are we brewing today? Today's coffee is caramel pecan. That was a Sophia pick. It's good. Good job, uh, Sophia. Are you ready to sip some coffee and chat? I am. But first, a word from our sponsor. We have some exciting news to share from our sponsor, Grubbly Farms. This month, you can receive 30% off if you're a first-time buyer. I'm a long-time subscriber, and my flock love the healthy, nutritious treats, plus all products ship free. If you haven't heard, Grubbly's has a fantastic layer pellet and crumble feed. It's packed with plant and insect protein. It's perfect for those picky chickens and ducks. This offer does not apply to subscriptions and cannot be combined with any other discounts. It's a great time to try Grubbly Farms if you haven't yet. Use the code CWTCL30 for 30% off your first purchase. Try it today. So I think there is something we need to address this week. Skippy. Yeah, and a lot of people have heard about Skippy. And for people who haven't, he was a llama who was attacked on Holly Ann's family farm, a llama that she had had 18 years. Three of his legs were shattered. We are actively looking for who did this to him. Right. I am okay. I'm functioning. I am completely heartbroken. Skippy and Blackie were my first two llamas. Yeah. And I learned everything with them. I will miss him forever. But I want to say thank you to everyone for all of the well wishes and just sharing the story. The outpouring of support for this has been absolutely overwhelming in the best way possible. The day it happened, in that moment, you lose faith in humanity. Oh, yes, I did. And then when we made it public... You gain a little bit of it back because you realize how many really, really good people are out there. And we are not going to stop until we have justice for him. Holly did go in all the local news, the paper, the radio. If someone's out there and listening to us, if you know something, please do the right thing. Please call the Cockeysville Police Department at 443-887-1820. And as you pointed out, we will not stop. There will be justice. Thank you one more time to everyone who reached out for all your condolences and well wishes. We really appreciate it. Spending time with the chickens and the sheep and the other llamas and alpacas has been a great comfort. It's hard to not at least find a way to smile when you watch those Andalusians carrying on. Oh, yeah. I was going to mention that this is where I am right now, trying to integrate two wild child Andalusians (laughs) and Rita, the Heritage Delaware, into the flock of everyone else. So everyone's integrated except for the three youngest. Mine too, yeah. When they say Andalusians are beyond intelligent, they are beyond intelligent. Oh my God, they look at you with that eye. Like they're figuring out the secrets of the world. Yeah. They're ridiculous. And they are relentless. So I can only put them in there with everybody while I'm able to stand in there. For one thing, they go and mess with everybody. But mostly they mess with Clover. And that's the issue. Yeah. And so you're having to find a way to buffer Clover from them to make this whole integration work. But I saw Clover give it to one of the Orpingtons. 
really? <laughs> she turned around and just pecked her on the head. Not hard, but I'm like, you go, little girl. Wow. You the make your, You make your place. But then she'll hide right between Stella and Charlotte to hide from the illusion. So she'll peck an Orpington and then she'll hide behind an Orpington. Or in between both of them. They're big. <laughs> They're big. So somebody would try to chase her and then she runs in between those two. Oh, like, funny. oh, try me now. Come on. My Orpingtons are enormous. Are yours? Huge. The Jubilee Orpingtons? Yeah. Like Gertie? They make Gertie look small. Right. So with my two Brahmas, so I have Claire and I have Suzette, my previous generation Brahmas. Suzette's on the small side. She's a buff Brahma. Right. And we all know that Claire is a bouncing eight yeah. pounds plus. The Orpingtons next to Susie make her look small. Yeah. And they're almost the same size as a Claire. And they're four months. Yeah. It's crazy how big they are at four mm-hmm. months. Mm-hmm. Just stunning chickens, too. Yeah. News bulletin. This is good news on my end. Clover is now going in on her own at night. Yay. Two different nights, two mm-hmm. nights in a row. The first night, we don't know how we went back and she was in. So we watched last night. Mm-hmm. And it takes her a little bit of time. Neurologically, she's not there. Right. But she jumped on the side and went in. Yay. So if she needs to lay an egg, she's able to get in the coop. Oh, that's fantastic. At night, she's able to go in. So Mm -hmm. these are all good things. Clover is very near and dear to my heart. She has fought through so much in her short little life. She's absolutely precious. She's a fighter. But every day she amazes me. Yeah. Okay. So if you're listening to our show and you're loving it, head over to Apple Podcast and leave us a written review. It does amazing things for the growth of our show. And while you're there, hit the subscribe button. That also helps us grow. If you're looking for other ways to support the podcast, you can visit our Etsy shop, see what we have on offer there. You can visit us on Patreon, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Check out our levels of membership. The top two tiers get a monthly bonus episode. The other thing you can do to help support the podcast is visit our show notes Use our affiliate links and codes and buy products from our sponsors. Yay! Hey, Chris. Yeah? Do you like subscription boxes? Does it have anything to do with chickens? Of course. Then, yeah. Let me take a minute to tell you about the Chicken Love Box. If you love goodies for your chickens and you, you need to go to chickenlove.com. I love the Mega Box. Tons of useful products for my flock and a chicken tea for me. You can't go wrong with a chicken tea. They are so cute and so soft. In the August box, I absolutely love the chicken pot holders and the Ikea scrub brush. My chickens are going crazy over those grubbly grubs in that box. And the chicken note cards are going to be great to send into school with the teachers. Boxes start at $39 a month. They ship immediately after your order and shipping is always free. Such a great deal. Don't wait. Get off the nest and click already. Use the code CWTCL50 for 50% off your first box of a three-month subscription or more. That's chickenlove.com. That's chickenluv.com. Get your subscription today. Have you heard of Strong Animals Chicken Essentials? They make natural supplements for your flock. Strong Animals has used plant-based products and natural approaches to promote the health and vitality of backyard flocks. Their products contain organic essential oils, prebiotics, and other natural ingredients to support the immune system and digestive health. Give your chicks and chickens what they need to thrive with Strong Animals Health Products. Visit GetStrongAnimals.com today. The Breed Spotlight is brought to you by Murray McMurray Hatchery, defining quality for generations. For over a century, Murray McMurray Hatchery has remained a trusted family-owned business working tirelessly to ensure our poultry meet the highest standards. Whether you are an experienced enthusiast or just embarking on the journey, 
Look to McMurray Hatchery for guaranteed quality rare and heritage breeds, low minimums, and all the supplies you need to raise your flock. Request a free catalog, and don't forget, pre-orders start November 2022 for the spring 2023 season. Ta-da! Breed Spotlight, yeah! Breed Spotlight, yeah! We're going a little different direction this week, so my little intro went a little different direction, too. This week's Breed Spotlight is... The Azure Blue. And this is a listener request. Yeah, we've actually had several requests for the Azure Blue. Several. So the Azure Blue is a relatively newish hybrid chicken developed by Hendrix Genetics. And we've heard them before. Hendrix is usually partnered with Isa right. of Isa Brown fame. So Hendrix Genetics has a U.S. location, and they also have branches in 25 other countries. Yeah, I've, I remember we've talked about that. Right. But the parent company for Hendrix is in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. So they developed the Azure Blue as a way to maximize blue egg laying with excellent production, but with smaller food intake. These people always say they do this, but let me tell you, these chickens aren't listening to that, that you want their smaller food intake. They're eating whatever they want. Of course they are. So Hendrix notes on their website that the Azure Blue is 50% leghorn, and they share the small body size. So we're talking about around four pounds, as well as their feed efficiency. You just busted that myth. Yep. Also, the Azure Blue are only available as females. There's no information on what happens to the males. The hens are not engineered for a long life. They are engineered for maximum laying in the first couple of years. In fact, if you look them up on the Hendrix Genetics website, they have a category for, and I quote, livability. This is the problem that we always go back to with hybrids. They're bred for maximum egg laying in the first few years, and then that is it. Mm-hmm. In the conversation that we had with our upcoming guest, she was asking why we do heritage breeds mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. And one of the answers is because they live a lot longer. Well, yeah. And if you're going to welcome a living creature into your home, mm-hmm. into your life, into your heart, you want them to. Right. That's one of the problems with hybrids. It, it does come down to what you're looking for. Plenty of people get hybrids as their first birds because that's what's easy to get your hands on. Exactly. Availability. They do have good personalities. They are great with kids in general. So those are all things going for them. And in the case of the Azure Blue, it's a blue egg layer. Yeah. And blue egg layers are very popular. They are. So the Azure comes from the fact that these birds lay about 295 blue eggs in their first year or so. It's massive. And the color of the egg is supposed to be true blue, Azure Blue. Bright blue. Bright blue, yes. And deep, like just bright and pigmented blue. Different than when you have uh, an Americana or well, when you have a leg bar, exactly the right. classic blue egg is like real light baby blue. Right. The eggs are described as true blue in color. So they're not turquoise. No. You know, they're not a faded blue. They're, they're bright blue. blue. Now, they're not as blue as some of the ones I've seen that are obviously pumped up with a little filter. Yeah. I mean, let's say we all Hashtag use filters. Hashtag no filter. Yeah. We, we all use filters for ourselves and people do use filters Speak for Speak for yourself. <laughs> I don't filter anything. Oh, I do. Anything I, I know you filter me and I'm grateful, but I don't filter <laughs> anything. <laughs> so the appearance of the Azure Blue, they are essentially white in color with some silvery to charcoal pigmentation here and there they in their like feathers. look like a leghorn. You know what? I would say if a leghorn and a Delaware were merged yeah. and it stayed small. I mean, they have a little bit more ruffling to their feathers, it mm-hmm. looks like, but they resemble a leghorn. Yeah, they do. Me. They have a fairly large, often floppy straight comb, and, mm-hmm. and they have bigger waddles and yellow legs. It is easy to see the leghorn in them. Oh, yeah, very. 
They also have that upright Mediterranean type tail. Right. And, you know, like we said before, like most hybrids, they have very gentle personalities and they are good with children. That's the one key thing to remember with hybrids. They are very gentle. Yes. For whatever reason. Well, honestly, that's why it would rip my heart out even more to lose them at a young age. If you, you have lose this sweet chicken. Two to three years in. And when you think about a heritage breed can live eight to 10, that's a big age difference. Mm-hmm, it is. Yeah. And that's a big time to get really attached to the super cuddly bird and you're going to be heartbroken. Yeah. I know myself. My heart's not hard enough to do that. No, mine not at all. So similar to the shaver hybrid varieties, remember we, right. when we talked about the brown yeah. shaver? The Azure Blue also seems to be primarily marketed to small chicken farmers. Right. And it looks like you'd have to go through a Hendrix representative in the U.S. So it's not going to be easy to get your hands on these birds. Well, I didn't even actually find mention of the Azure Blue in the U.S. I found them in Canada. Well, that's what we're saying. This is a Canadian right. at hybrid. Least, I know at least one of our listeners who requested this is Canadian. I didn't mm-hmm. think the other was. And the shavers are the same way. They're a Canadian bird largely. Yeah. And in Canada, Hendrix might be selling parent stock to hatcheries because I did find certain hatcheries that were selling them directly. Oh, yeah. As are blues. I also found farm supply stores that listed them for sale. I think this is basically the Canadian version of one of their hybrids. The blue egg laying yeah, hybrid. Yeah. Really, if you're looking for a good alternative in the U.S., the best I came up with was the whiting true blue. I can see that. Again, they lay that bright blue egg. Mm-hmm. We know that the azure blue is 50% leghorn. We know that. Yeah. But nowhere else could I find the other breeds. Okay. Nowhere Which is else. strange to me. Well, no, actually, it's not because a lot of the genetics companies them. that do hybrids don't always share it, right? Yeah, they don't have to. So the whiting true blue is also leghorn right. and Americana. Right. So you've got these two good basic breeds right there that make your whiting true blue. I don't know if you can get the whiting true blue in Canada. It might be One you have to get the azure blue. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you're looking for a true blue laying hybrid. So if you are in Canada, I would do a zip code search for azure blue and see who you can find locally. You right. may as well get them locally if they're widely available. Oh, yeah, for sure. In the US, if you are looking for the whiting true blue, Murray McMurray Hatchery has them. Yes, they do. I know what I was thinking of. The eggs, they remind me of exactly like a robin's egg. That robin's same, egg blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, if that's what you want to picture in your mind as we're saying this. Honestly, to have a blue egg, I would more or less go with an Americana or a leg bar, more of a traditional chicken. It's not going to be as bright blue. I even think you're better with the whiting true blue over this one. Maybe. The company has not released the other half of this chicken breed. I saw some people listing some breeds, but when I did further research, it turns out what I was finding were breeds that were listed that have gone into something called an Azor Ager. Okay. That a farm here in the US had developed. These are not the same no. as the Azor Blue from Canada. So if you find that list, it's like Sage Ager and I want to say Cream Leg Bar, some other things mixed in there. That is not the same as this chicken. So to recap, Whiting True Blue in the U.S. is half Leghorn, half Americana. Azure Blue in Canada is half Leghorn, half we don't know. Right. The problem with it is genetically, it does strip a lot of their hardiness Mm -hmm. out. That's the problem. Every bird deserves love and a home. And these are decisions you have to make for yourself. And what's right for your homestead. Right, exactly. 
a lot of people, when they get into chickens, they buy hybrids. So they'll know whether or not it's something they want to continue with, hybrid or heritage breed. And the other thing that I want to go back and mention is we say $2.95 in eggs for the first year. Company does not give a number. They say sharply decreased in years two and three. Mm -hmm. And the problem with chickens that have this high rate of laying eggs is they have reproductive problems a lot of the time. They do a lot of the times, yeah. So it's just something to be aware of. We don't want to say, don't get this chicken. If you really want this chicken, get it. They have nice personalities. What we're saying is there are trade-offs, yeah. You're going to get close to six to seven eggs most week from this bird. Right. Right. For the first year. For the first year, yeah. And then it's going to sharply decline, and then they can have problems reproductively. Yeah. But they're a really cute bird. They remind me of a leghorn. And the eggs are stunning. So Eggs are beautiful, Mm -hmm. that's for sure. Yeah. So if you're in Canada and you have this bird, we'd love to see a picture. Absolutely. Share it on our Instagram. We'll give you a story. And if you are interested in the Whiting True Blue, we do a breed spotlight on the Whiting True Blue and the True Green. It's actually a really interesting story. It it is. Over on Patreon. So if you are not a patron of the show and you're interested, go over to patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies and check that out. $3 a month and Mm -hmm. you get an extra episode. That's right. If you're looking for a chicken coop that's produced in a planet-friendly, sustainable way, try Nestera. Each coop is made from highly durable, 100% recycled plastic that keeps the equivalent of up to 2,000 shampoo bottles out of a landfill. Their clean, modern design will fit into any garden or run area and comes with an industry-beating 25-year warranty and a range of handy accessories. Simple to put together, so quick and easy to clean, and most importantly, red mite resistant. Your chickens will love it. Quick shipping from Amazon.com or Nestera.us. Use our code CWTCLP10 for 10% off. Check them out today. Roosties proudly sponsors Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you're raising chicks or keeping chickens, take a look at Roosties store on Amazon.com. We've personally tested their products and we're huge fans. They have their famous nesting pads, those fantastic chick water and feeder kits, do-it-yourself port feeder kits, water or nipple, and water or cup kits. And you don't even need to drive to the stores. They're all available for prime delivery on Amazon.com. Visit Amazon.com and check out the Roosties range or follow the link in our show notes. Okay, so now it's time for main topic. Yeah. Yeah. We have an extra special main topic this week. We're pretty excited. We sat down with the senior editor over at Ogden Publications, Jessica Mitchell, and she is the sweetest girl. And we had such a great, fun conversation with her. Let's bring it to everybody now. Enjoy. Jessica, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you. I am so excited to be here. We've been really looking forward to this interview. So just to give our listeners a little background, can you tell us what you do at Mother Earth News and Ogden Publication and just a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure, sure. My official title at Ogden is Senior Editor, and we're a company that publishes a bunch of different magazines and a lot of different types of content. And so really, I'm an editor that works on magazines and podcasts primarily. When we're publishing physical magazines, I'm there to help edit the articles and be in touch with the authors and really just get it to a great point where it's ready for publication. And then I also help with our podcasts. We have a podcast called Mother Earth News and Friends. And that's really just a way to build on the content that we already have in our magazines where we interview people. And so I also am an editor in that aspect where I'm not just looking at words all day, but I'm also planning content, coming up with interview questions, 
helping develop and produce this podcast. So it's been really fun to explore what being an editor means. It's not just always about getting an article and getting it out into the world, but all these other different facets of what editing means. That's what modern day editing is. And it brings a whole new facet to the world. And it brings the digital era in and podcasting and putting yourself out there where before you really couldn't do it. This is really fun stuff. I love it. Can you tell us a few of the magazines that are under the Ogden publications that you work with? Yeah. So our main flagship magazine that Ogden acquired a little while ago is called Mother Earth News. And that is our big publication. It is a sustainable lifestyle magazine. So we cover a lot of different topics under that. So everything from farming, gardening, organic processes, how to have a lifestyle that is based in nature and and natural living. We really focus on the practicality and the feasibility of living that lifestyle. So it's stuff that's very environmentally minded. We try to be as respectful about our environment and living alongside that. And so that's what Mother Earth News is all about. And then we also have a couple other big publications. Grit Magazine is another big one. That actually started as a newspaper in the 1800s, I believe. It's been around for a long time and it's evolved a lot. It actually started out in Pennsylvania, not too far from where I used to live. And now it's a magazine and we really focus on rural lifestyle there. So farming, livestock, we do touch a lot on preparedness. So how to prepare for inclement weather or really bad weather how to be on the side of knowing your environment and how to just have things ready. It's not really a prepper type of content, but it's that preparedness content. We want people to feel empowered and equipped for whatever comes their way. So those are our two really big ones. But then we also have some new magazines in the family that we are working with. So one of them is Countryside Magazine. That's been around for a while, and that has everything to do with the country lifestyle. So we cover animals, we cover homesteading, farmsteading, gardening, all that stuff. We have another one called Backyard Poultry. And this is the one that our listeners will know. (laughs) Yes. Backyard Poultry is literally exactly as it sounds. It's just all about raising poultry, how to adapt that to your lifestyle, and just all the things that you need to know in order to have a successful poultry keeping experience. A huge part of that is chickens, but it also touches on a bunch of other poultry. So we have that one. We have one called Goat Journal. And again, that's literally all about goat keeping (laughs) and what that entails. (laughs) We make sure that it is very plain and to the point that our readers know what they're getting. And then another one we have is backyard beekeeping. And that's something that, that, yeah, I really didn't realize how big of a community beekeeping was until I started working in Ogden. And so we have a whole publication dedicated to that and how to raise bees and all the different techniques and strategies and ideas that come with it. Let's face it. We all love honey. Who doesn't like honey? (laughs) We need to save the bees to save our planet. So yeah. And those are all of our big magazine titles, but then we also have an online presence. So for all of those titles, we have websites and we have social media presence. 
We also do the podcast, as I said, that's connected with Mother Earth News, but we also will have content there that's connected with some of our other titles. Mm -hmm. And then another big thing, which I think we'll touch on a little bit later, is our Mother Earth News Fairs, which is literally just bringing the magazine content to life in person for people. And that's really all of our really big stuff that we do, plus a bunch of other little things. So much. That's a lot of really amazing (laughs) stuff. Yeah. Yes. Love it. It's very exciting to work in this type of environment and to learn so much along the way. I'm always so excited to plug our stuff. We're so excited to talk to you. I have been a very long time subscriber to Mother Earth News. I want to say that Ogden is maybe the third publisher to have Mother Mm -hmm. Earth News since I first subscribed back in the dark ages. (laughs) Mother Earth News was a title I really wasn't aware of until recently when I applied for this job. But I connect with so many people nowadays who talk about knowing that magazine through all its different iterations and publishers. And Mm -hmm. I just think that's so cool. Like they can see where the magazine's been and just how long time of a subscriber and reader they are. I just love that so much. So do you have some background on yourself, animals that you have? So I really did not come from a farming background or really even a gardening background. I was born technically in New Jersey, but raised in Pennsylvania all my life. I went to school there and we lived in more suburb kind of areas and maybe a little bit of rural, but it was very much just a lot of towns and stores around us. And we always had a yard, but my family just wasn't one who did that. I mean, I think the closest thing we came to was we moved into a house that had a raised bed. I didn't know what a raised bed was back then, but it had one tomato plant and I would go out to just pick them. And, you know, eventually that garden just kind of faded back into the ground. So I didn't really have that history, but I did really love nature. I loved animals. I loved being outdoors. I have a lot of great memories. Some of my strongest memories are just enjoying the outdoors with my family. I had a friend growing up who had this little mini farmstead on this property. It was built in the 1700s and it was by a creek in the woods and she had ducks and chickens and dogs. And it was all these things that I didn't really grow up with. And I got to learn just little bits of skills that way. We would go out and we would pick raspberries and blackberries. We'd go canoeing. We would play with the chickens and such great memories of that. And so I went into college just having that love in the background, but I studied communications and theater, which was awesome. And then (laughs) senior year, I took just you know, the science requirement. And I found one that was environmental studies. And honestly, I chose it because the lab portion, we got to go out and take field trips outdoors <laughs> nice. and stuff that way. Yeah. And I remember taking it and it was like, my brain just exploded with just, wow, look at how amazing our world is. I want to know more about this. And also like thinking about all of the ways that it's in danger, how we can help the planet and help each other live better lives and preserve that for future generations. I remember feeling like if I hadn't gone into the majors I did, I would go into environmental studies You know, Mm -hmm. if I had to do it all over again. And I remember my capstone project at the end of the year, I did it on shadowing a beekeeper It was about exploring a type of subculture you normally wouldn't go into. And so I I did it on beekeeping and that was just so fun. And I had that little bit of knowledge in the back of my head. And so then when I applied to Ogden, which funnily enough, I didn't realize it was in Kansas until they asked to interview. (laughs) I thought the company was great. 
And then I totally forgot to check where it was. And (laughs) then it was in Topeka, Kansas. And I was like, I'm from Southeast Pennsylvania. Like there's no one out there I know. But the interview was so great. And I just loved the work they were doing. And so I joined the online team, the web services team, and then that funneled into a job in editorial. And so my background is really not just coming from a place of growing up on a farm, but more just this love of nature and wanting to learn more about it and how to do it in a way that helps people. And I also just love stories and storytelling and being able to work and meet so many amazing people and learn from them. And I almost feel like I'm just this lifelong student in this type of job where I get to research and learn stuff every day. And then more and more that just builds on my own knowledge. I can do my job better. You're bringing in the diversity of not always being on a farm and being in nature, but living in a suburb and bringing that in. And that's a Mm -hmm. different aspect. And you bring in a different way of looking at things. And that definitely helps the magazine build your knowledge in different parts. And everyone can feel that reading it and feeling good about it. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So what does a day in the life of a magazine editor and podcaster look like? (laughs) I was thinking about this a little and I'm like, well, you know, I think a huge chunk of it is replying to emails and reading some letters and being on Zooms, which is really great because that's my connection to coworkers for sure during the pandemic, but even coming out of it, being connected with coworkers and our readers. So it is a lot of writing back and forth with people and planning and coordinating things. But really my day is spent kind of divided between working on articles and working on podcasts. Those are my really two big areas. And we kind of like to joke at Ogden that the editorial department is kind of like the quiet introvert one. We really like just being in our little areas where we're down and we're doing our research and we're editing things (laughs) and it really suits our personalities. Some of my days can be pretty quiet where I don't have a ton of meetings. They're kind of sprinkled in. You know, Mm -hmm. when we do have meetings and we do collaborate with other departments, they tend to be kind of sprinkled across our week. But a lot of our time is just spent working on the content. And it's so great. On the podcast side, I am chatting with people. We're strategizing how we can create some good stuff for our listeners and just listening to what the buzz is on the subject matter. And then on the article side, it can be a lot of just being at the computer and researching and just making sure that we know our authors, we can follow what they're talking about. If we don't feel well-versed in the subject, it's our opportunity to become a quick and fast expert on the subject matter. Mm -hmm. And then it's about just helping craft the story. So I do seek a lot of quiet time with those spurts of work. But it is fun having that variety of sometimes we're going to go out and we're going to do an interview or we're going to go and have a meeting, but then we can come back and be in this nice, quiet place to really work on that good stuff. With the podcast aspect, I like that because what it does is it brings the magazine to life. Let's face it, we're all, we're doing this and that, and it gives the opportunity that if you don't have time to sit and read for 10 minutes, you can make dinner and listen to what's in the magazine on the podcast. That's amazing. You did a podcast, I think it was last month, the one with the farmer's market. I love it. It's taking something that everybody loves to do on a Saturday morning and bring it to life off the pages of the magazine. 
That was such a fun one to do. And that was an off-campus project where we were outdoors and we had to make this setup. And I remember there was a train in the background. We had to figure out how to work around and it was just so beautiful out. It was just a perfect summer day, but it was also so fun because yeah, like you said, farmer's market is just something that a lot of people can relate to. This brings me to my next question. Would that bring one of your favorite things about working at the magazine? Oh, <laughs> yeah, the that's a hard question. It is for sure. I feel like I can narrow it down to two little facets of the job. I think on the one hand, there is kind of maybe the selfish side where I feel like I can just be a student and I can learn. And so much of the stuff I'm learning, I can just apply to my own life. I learn how to pickle. I learn how to make bread, you know, and that's part of my job. And then I can go experiment with it because that helps me be a better editor. I love that part. But then the other part that I really love is just being able to be out in the community, whether we are working on something like a podcast or a video and we're working with the people we want to feature and who has such great knowledge and stories. But then also when we have things like our fairs and I'm just there to network with our readers and our listeners, the people who interact with us in our audience, that's always so rewarding because I feel like with a lot of office-based jobs, Sometimes we can get into that mindset of just being at our computer or being at our little departments and we get the work done and we love the work and it gets out and we have that pride and that finished product. But then when you go back out into the community and you get the letters or you get to meet face-to-face with people and they talk about the things that they're trying to do, how they're living, how we've been helping them, or even on the speaker side, how that has opened up opportunities through our magazine that we can feature people and give them platforms to share the stuff that they have. That is really so rewarding. And it just brings you back to that sense of that can-do community that we really want to build and foster with our audience. And that just really comes back to reward us too. So for any of our listeners who may not be familiar with your magazines, can you tell us a little bit about the focus and the message and who your intended audience is? Sure. And you know what? I don't judge if people don't know about Mother Earth News because I definitely did not until about five years ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I understand. But yeah, so for Mother Earth News, that's our sustainable lifestyle magazine. So we cover gardening, DIY projects, livestock, green building, natural health, so many other facets that go into our magazines. And really our mission, our goal for this magazine is we want to help create self-reliant can-do communities. So we're not really putting our effort into making just self-reliant individuals. I do think it's great that people can feel self-sufficient and feel confident in how they live. But our key component is those self-reliant can-do communities because we can't do anything alone. Right. And so that's our focus. And we love being a place where we can give people opportunities to share their knowledge and wisdom and expertise. And we love helping people. I would say, at least in my brain, this was kind of my goal with this magazine is helping people live their best life in accessible and practical and sustainable ways. So it looks different for everyone. Mm -hmm. But we want this to be a place where they can find what works best for them. So Mother Earth News Magazine is our biggest thing. But then we have the podcasts that are connected to it, our online presence, videos, products. We have a store where you can buy stuff that is tested by our staff and given the thumbs up by our staff and fairs. I would say for our audience, really, our publications are, and Mother Earth News specifically, but also our other ones. They're for anyone who wants to live sustainably, healthily, mindfully. 
whatever they picture in their head, we want to help them make that a reality. And we're going to do that through that environmental based type of content. And so we want this to be open to everybody. And especially chicken ladies, you have a lot of information about chickens. So that is amazing. Everyone needs to check it out. There's a lot of really good articles on there. Mother Earth News, it's been around since the 70s. And we know the 70s are a very important era, not just because we were born in the 70s, but (laughs) a lot of stuff was going on in that decade. Can you tell us about the history around the early days of the magazine? And do you have a favorite article that was out about that time? I love this assignment. I got to go (laughs) dig into our physical archive that we have at our Ogden headquarters to learn a little bit more about the history. But yes, 1970s, so much was happening during that time. But I know one of the big things is people were wanting to live off the land more, get more connected with the environment and find ways to save it and preserve it. And that's where Mother Earth News sprung up. So I went and did some digging and found some articles that we have and issues that we have dating all the way back to the very first one. And maybe I can email these to you guys. I took some pictures since I can't take them with me, or at least I'm way too worried to take them with me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But I found our very first Mother Earth News issue, volume one, number one. It was in January, 1970. This was a publication that was really defined as being a people's publication, The founders of it and the only staff members listed for this very first issue was John and Jane Shuttleworth. They were the ones who really kicked it off. And based on the things that I dug around and and interpreted from it, they wanted to create a publication that it's not there to make a profit. It's there to help people. And I have this little, I can show it to you on on Zoom, but maybe we can post it somewhere if you want. Sure. And we might be able to show this like as a little clip too. Oh, that's the the first cover. Yeah. This is fantastic. I love the first cover. It's essentially a section of the earth and the moon above it. And it's filled with negative space. It's actually really beautiful. It's really cool. And we might be able to put this, we might be able to make a video clip and show that to our listeners of us talking about it too. So I love this. Yeah. It says a new beginning and it was called the Mother Earth News back then. Okay. I pulled up a little bit more content in there as well when it comes to the history of it. So within that first issue, here's some of the things they said, and I love this. So this was on the first table of contents page, and it says, here it is, dot, 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 the long awaited first issue of the Mother Earth News put together in one solid month of 14 hour days by two people. We'll let you decide if it was worth it. And then in that same section, this is how they defined who their audience was, I think. And they said, the Mother Earth News published in North Carolina is a bi-monthly publication edited by and expressly for today's influential hip young adults, the creative (laughs) people, the doers, the ones who make it all happen. Heavy emphasis is placed on alternative lifestyles, ecology, working with nature and doing more with less. And I just thought that was so fun. That's fantastic. (laughs) They knew. And you know what? It had staying power. It's still here. Mm -hmm. And it really did. When you do something because you're basing it off of your passion and your love, you're going to put that out there. And they did. People were like, okay, yeah, I'm on this with you. Yes. And it just continued to grow. I went a little bit further and I found some publications from the 80s and the book grew a lot. They were publishing so much great content. They had a commune at one point where people were living together in this close community. 
I know that they had lectures where thousands of people would come out to learn from the Mother Earth News staff and partners. It sounded like they did trips of some kinds where you could go out in the field and learn about things. And then I know their staff started to grow. And it was just really cool to see that evolution. And you were asking me about one of my favorite articles. And when I was digging around, I really loved this one article I found. And they did place a heavy emphasis on not relying on big ag or huge grocery stores to supply your food. That was really based, I think, in self-reliance and also feasibility. If you wanted to be able to have a smaller budget for what you ate, you could find it out in nature and and do responsible foraging. And there was this great foraging article where they had these very clear images and identifications of plants and they had it all listed out. And it was just such nice, heavy content that I think people really wanted. Well, yeah, it had staying power because, okay, comes in in the seventies after the industrialism of the fifties and the sixties. And then we start to go back to nature, back to let's bring the chickens in, let's garden, Mm -hmm. let's do this, let's do that. It sustained itself through the 80s, which went back to me, 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 no, no, no. Exactly. (laughs) So this magazine has massive staying power. And now in today's age, we're back to let's love Earth. It's made it through all the decades, which is pretty amazing. It really has. And it was so cool to see the different covers of all of them. Because in the 70s, you started with almost this newspaper-like paper and just very minimal colors and illustrations. And then in the 80s, it went into more colorful illustrations for the covers and really thick books. And then 90s, we started doing photographs on the images, probably in the 80s too, but definitely like the 90s. And then now, you know, you have today and now it has its own new style and everything. One of the things we talk about in our weekly breed spotlights, especially when when we're coming to heritage breeds, we very early on notice a pattern that a lot of the breeds that were in serious trouble throughout the 20th century, there were clubs and efforts to do conservation breeding starting in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's any coincidence. No. So at what point did chickens show up in the early days of the magazine? And what was the focus around them? Was it care or breeds or what have you? That's such a great question. And so I went digging and I think I found the very first article that was just solely focused on chickens. From what I can tell, it was called Fresh Eggs from Your Own Hens. Look how much text is on that page. Wow. Holy moly. They really went all in on this article. And so this issue, I forget exactly which issue, but it was in 1970. And they had a huge section. It almost looked like they went more in subject matter chunks with some of their Mm -hmm. issues. And one of them, they had a chunk on poultry. So there was one about geese and then there was a couple on chickens. And so that was the first time I saw them publish an article just about chickens. And this article specifically really focused on just kind of this huge overall bird's eye view. And to me, at least when I was reading it, It gave me the sense of they wanted to address the people who maybe had never owned chickens before, Mm -hmm. or maybe they had, and they're coming back to it. And they just wanted to give them all of that starter knowledge and probably more than that. And so there was sections like, what type of breeds should I keep? And this author was saying, well, there's no really wrong breed to keep. It just depends on what you want to do. Do you want Mm -hmm. an egg layer? Do you want a meat bird? And I did think this was funny. This was probably very much written by a man. And they said, ultimately, just choose the chicken that your wife is going to love. Because when you go (laughs) off to work, she's going to be going collecting the eggs. And I just started laughing. I'm like, I guess. 
you know what? That goes back to the chicken keeping in history was mm-hmm. all women. That's right. Yeah, Historic. that's true. It's pretty, it, yeah, it's pretty accurate. Yeah. It was very much a cultural reflection. And yeah. I definitely am not trying to knock down our article or anything, but I did think it was quite a humorous little tone that was there. <laughs> I, lo- I actually think it's really it's historically sweet. correct, I mean, though. My husband would do the same thing. He's always like, honey, get the breed you want. The only breed he's ever asked for is something silver lace. So we got silver lace coaches, but I think that's super sweet. Yeah. So, you know, I thought it was pretty funny because at least from the editor's perspective, it's like, oh, well, I don't think we would ever write that type of sentence today, but it's really (laughs) shown how the culture of chicken keeping has evolved. And hey, happy wife, happy life. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) This person knew what they were talking about at that point. You better get a chicken that your wife's going to like or you're going to be in trouble. That's universal. (laughs) That works across all possible spectrums. It's true. (laughs) So that was definitely the first article. And then there was another one after that, and it was called New Easy Way to Raise Tender Chicken. And that was, I think, a little bit more on maybe the processing and the raising. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But those were the very first ones. And their focus was very much on bringing up people who maybe didn't have that experience. Yeah. And, you know, it's with the times because we start with 30s and 40s and having chickens and then from 50s and 60s taking a step back and going into urban living. And then the 70s bringing it back in and saying, wait, we need to go back and live off the earth. So this magazine starts and then they give the article on chickens. Mm -hmm. Chickens Mm -hmm. stand the test of time. They really do. Yeah. So what are some of the great chicken resources that you offer and where can our listeners find them? We have a lot. I'll speak a little bit more on the evolution of Mother Earth News. And I think part of it is because now Mother Earth News is in this family of publications. But I did notice our evolution has gone from we did focus heavily in the past, in the 70s, especially on foraging, practical DIY things. And chickens were in there, but they were kind of just blended with this holistic farm or natural living life. And nowadays, Mm -hmm. I think we can get a little bit more into the details about keeping poultry. So it's not always just about what breeds should I keep or, and that's great. We still do focus on beginner stuff, but we'll also get into a little bit more technical things. And now we have outlets and, and publications that are just solely dedicated to that to really dive in. So I have a little list here that I'll list out for our listeners. So of course, we have our Mother Earth News magazine. We have MotherEarthNews.com, as well as our physical publications. And we have a heavy emphasis on there on livestock. Chickens come up a lot. I think one of our most recent issues had another chicken article in there that we just published. We have Grit Magazine. That's rural living. And again, we have a lot of livestock there. It's just grit.com, or you can go and subscribe to the physical magazine. And we do a lot with poultry there. A lot of times that one has a little bit more of a rural emphasis versus Mother Earth News, where we really try to do both rural, suburban, urban kind of emphases, but it's all great information. We also and I have, just like the name of the magazine. Yes. I mean, you don't get <laughs> better than grit. Like, you know, you're getting the information at that point. Yes. Grit. I love the name too. It's such a yeah. great tone. Countryside Magazine is another one. That's another rural lifestyle one, but it's just very universal information for people. We have poultry information there. And then, of course, we have our Backyard Poultry Magazine. That's the thing I will highlight today where that is solely focused on poultry. And it is backyardpoultry.iamcountryside.com. 
And so that's kind of within the countryside magazine. And then you have a section for the backyard poultry. And that's where you can find if you're really just looking to dive deep into our chicken and other poultry content, that's where we're going to go deeper, go on all these different levels of things. So that's a really big one. And if you're a chicken lady or man, you need to get this magazine. Any of the magazines you've mentioned, I mean, as our listeners know, we don't do meat birds. We respect that path. We just don't do it. And so you would be a fantastic resource for anyone who's looking for that side of chicken keeping. Yes, absolutely. Grit definitely will cover that. Maybe Mother Earth News sometimes. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, Backyard Poultry is going to cover eggs, pet chickens, and then also meat birds if people want to know how to go about doing that. Mm -hmm. So that's our big backyard poultry magazine. And then of course we have our podcast and we do a lot of chicken content because we know people love it. And especially once 2020 hit and we started really seeing that trend of people wanting to keep chickens and other birds, we really leaned into that. So I would say at the moment, if you go onto our podcast right now, we have at least one chicken podcast a month. When we started our podcast, All About Chickens, we had people laugh at us. And that's the thing. (laughs) People can talk all day about chickens. There's a lot Mm -hmm. to say. Who's laughing now? (laughs) I know. Seriously. (laughs) You don't realize how big it is when you step into the world. (laughs) It's a big world and there's a Mm -hmm. lot to know. So having multiple resources out there for people to go to, to get information, number one, that is reliable. And that's the thing that we want to make sure that everyone listening knows that you're fact checking, you're looking at everything in these magazines and you know it's reliable information that you're giving out to people reading The other thing is there's nothing better than sitting in a chair, thumbing through a paper magazine. It's one of the best little luxuries in life. And what chicken lady wouldn't want to be sitting looking through a complete chicken magazine? Come on. And you can keep it. Put it on your shelf as part of your chicken lifestyle decor. Yes. Exactly. Yes. It's so cool. I you will prime my paper magazines and books out of my cold dead hands. <laughs> uh, I, I love know. them so much. They're so great. I literally have a whole bookshelf just dedicated to our issues because we get them automatically and I just can't throw them out. They're just no. recycle them or do. I just want to keep them. And well, no. they're just so pretty. It's really nice to pop back in there too. I know I saw an article like last year about this. You have an index right there. You can pull it right out. You know, or if you're feeling under the weather and you just want to lay around and you have a library, there's something to say for an actual library of information, of one that you're not looking at on a screen that you're holding in your hands. And that's where these publications come in. You're going on a trip. You can take the magazine with you to read while you're going away. Amazing. Love it. (laughs) Yes. It's so wonderful. And speaking to the design and the fact checking, I would just love for listeners who are wondering, because we are right now in a time where it can be really hard to figure out where are my resources, what resources are important to me. And I've just been seeing that struggle of where to get the right information. And as a reader, I value that a lot too. And it's kind of like if you work at a restaurant and there's that classic question of, oh, after working there, would you eat the food or something like that? It's kind of that same thing where I think of magazines. You know, I ask myself, oh, like after working with these magazines, would I still really rely on them? And, And the answer is a huge yes. I'm really celebrating our department and our staff, but I know their lifestyle. They walk the talk. People who are new to it, like me, learn from them. And then a huge part of our job and our discussion is about making sure that we are getting the best information and the most researched information. We have editorial boards that we turn to, to talk with about topics. 
both knowledge and wisdom. We have huge sheets of where we pull our facts and our research and our studies. We reach out all the time to our experts and connections so that on the page, you know that we are putting in the best content we can. And if there is something that there's a question mark or something that we can't quite verify, or maybe it is that type of information where that Western kind of medicine and research is very highly published, but we also very much appreciate and value the folklore and mm-hmm. the information that gets passed down orally in cultures yes. and that are treasured and kept and maintained by cultures of people. And so we really try to make sure that we respect and make clear where we're getting our information. And all of that is really valuable. And so we really try to make that clear in our publications too. So I just wanted to add that little plug. I in love that because it's so hard for people these days to navigate the system of information. There's so many people out there that want to put their wealth of information out and whether it's true or not, you have to navigate that and figure it out for yourself. So knowing that you have all this behind you is awesome. I think you should celebrate your yeah. staff members and your yeah. <laughs> because the amount, you know, we do our podcast, but you're covering so many more topics than just chickens. And it's such an incredible body of information to go through. Well done, all of you. Yes. Thank you. I'm so thankful for our staff and then just all the other people that we work with who are bringing so much great knowledge and expertise. You know, sometimes I'm just the person who is there to just help bring life to the platform. And that is such a rewarding thing to see that whole process happen. Oh, I'm sure. The Mother Earth News Fair, which we touched upon a little bit earlier, this looks like a great event for chicken keepers and homesteaders. Can you tell us a little bit about the types of things that are usually offered at the fair? Sure. The fair is so fun. It's not just a classroom with lectures. We like to say it's the magazine coming to life. And you can find all the stuff we talk about in Mother Earth News there, but you're also going to see connections to our other publications. Maybe we don't touch a huge, huge amount when it comes to beekeeping and all of its different facets, but that's going to be at the fairs too. And so it's really just the whole lifestyle there for people to join in on. You can really find anything from our publications is probably going to be there. So we have our vendors that we connect with and are personally invested in that we invite to these fairs. And we really love being able to feature vendors who are local. They have local businesses around where the fairs are. And so if you're looking for things, anything from essential oils or hydrosols, or maybe you're looking for just some connection to different services, we will have services there as well. And and you can just go and pick their brains and chat with them and buy some really great products. So we have our vendors, we have a lot of different workshops and I say lectures, but it's not a a really lecture format. A lot of times it can be outside or it might be in a little hall, like if we have a building on campus and we have people we just absolutely love that come in and they speak on their expertise. So we have a whole schedule of events and a lot of times it will be people who are local to the area, but other people will drive or fly in from all over the country and I don't know if we have any international people at the moment, but that's always something that we keep our eyes open to. And so, yeah, everything from gardening, maybe someone comes. We had Ira Wallace, who is just an amazing gardener. I mean, that's such a small word to me when I'm trying to describe Ira Wallace, but... (laughs) Ira's come in and talked about gardening of all sorts. We have all these different people who keep poultry. 
So that's always such a huge hot thing because we will bring in some animals sometimes, just people who want to bring in maybe donkeys or chickens. And it's great for kids. They can learn and interact with the animals. And then you can chat with the people who bring them in. I know that we have people who like talking about like therapy chickens or Mm -hmm. just, you know, beyond just keeping eggs and stuff, what chickens can do for you. And so we have some great like hands-on workshops you can sign up for if you want to actually create something or do something to take away from the fair. But then we also just have speakers who come and just share their knowledge and it's just so great. And then we have our Mother Earth News store as well. So anything you see online, we bring it to the fair so that you can go and get that stuff. But for chicken keepers, especially, we really love being able to highlight things like bringing in the animals or having hands-on courses when it comes to chicken keeping. And so we definitely don't shy away from that. I mean, bringing your magazine to life is what it's about to connect with people on a one-on-one level so that they're not just reading a magazine, they're experiencing the entire part of it and living it out. It's just fun to learn, to do workshops, to do these things. So everyone out there should be looking out for the Mother Earth News Fair and how to get tickets and where it's going to be, which is where next. Yes. So we have a whole 2023 lineup scheduled. So if people go to motherearthnewsfair.com, they can see where all of our fairs are going to be in 2023. We have one in Pennsylvania. We have one in Texas. And we have one in Kansas. So, and we're constantly looking to see where could our next city be. So that's a basis to start off, but I know that we have other places in mind. So we have those three coming up next year. We also have Mother Earth News Fair online. So let's say you can't make it to a fair in person, but you still really want that type of content. When the pandemic hit, we shifted and started offering online courses. So it's literally the type of stuff you would get at the fair, but it's online. You can register for it and then you have it wherever you are, which I think is really awesome. And then for people who are really local to the Lawrence, Kansas area, we're actually doing this year self-sufficiency Saturdays. It's almost like a mini version of the fair. I think it's the second Saturday of every month until the end of the year. And it's usually like a full like work day, like nine to four, nine to five, where we have an expert come in and we just had one on chicken keeping. One of my nice. like best friends and coworkers shared her knowledge the whole day, everything about keeping chickens. I know eventually it's going to be online as well. And so we love being able to offer that to people. What does the future look like for chicken keeping resources and Ogden publications? I would just say in two words, it is continuously growing. (laughs) (laughs) We are not backing down on our chicken content. (laughs) So, you know, we plan on keeping our backyard poultry magazine around all of our publications. We, of course, we want it to keep going and we're just going to keep offering that poultry and that chicken content. I know the fairs are growing and we have all these different new facets of it just to really meet people where they are. If they're local, if they can't get there, we're trying to create in-person and online experiences for that. But all of our research and our studies with our demographics and our audience is just showing that this is not going away. People want to keep chickens and poultry and they want to have that connection with their animals, whether it's because they want to start a small business or they just love chickens or they want local eggs. Nothing that I'm seeing is suggesting that this is going to fade anytime soon. And so we just want to meet people where they're at. So we are planning on continuing to grow that whole collection of chicken knowledge for people. That's amazing. At this point, are there any major changes that are going to be taking place with backyard poultry or is that too soon to talk about? 
You know, as far as I know, I think we are sticking with where we're at with backyard poultry. I do know that we kind of converged some content recently. And really, hopefully that's to the benefit of our readers that we're just continually keeping that content available to them. But as far as I can tell, I think just the biggest goal is just continuing to create content that people want. While we're talking about backyard poultry, thank you to you guys for listing us under one of the flocks to follow. Yes. We're so touched. <laughs> we were so happy to do that. I mean, <laughs> you ladies are picture. such a great resource and we just have so much enjoyed learning about your podcast and connecting. And we always just love creating that network because mm-hmm. yeah, it's all about community. That's the We were talking about this before. That's the best part of podcasting is meeting amazing people around the world mm-hmm. and making friendships that you never would have before and just seeing the diversity of people. Mother Earth News is all about that, which we love. Yeah. So it's a totally unfair question and you can give us more than one, but <laughs> what is your favorite breed of chicken? Oh boy. I was preparing for this question. And you know, so much of this is going to be just head knowledge and just what I like based on what I'm learning about. Because at the moment, I don't keep chickens, but it is for sure a future thing to do. (laughs) But in general, I love the furry footed ones, like the feather footed chickens. I don't know what it is about it, but sometimes I'll see those furry footed, like my one of my good friends, she had a couple feather footed chickens and I would just see them like run across the yard and something in my brain, I was just like, oh my gosh, they are the cutest things ever. So sweet. And so I did do some digging because I was like, in my head, I can kind of picture some of the chickens, but I'm not quite sure like what their names are. And so then I just went looking because I was just curious what some of the dispositions are and stuff. And I came across one that I feel like if I were to just suddenly start keeping chickens, it would be I in your flock. These, yeah, this would be one <laughs> in my flock. And I believe I'll probably botch the name, but I believe it's called the Millefleur de Clay. Oh, they're oh. adorable. Are they're they? So oh my cute. goodness. They are so cute. (laughs) They're one of the cutest chickens ever. Ever. They're feather-footed bantams. Yes. So they weigh like two pounds and they have that meal floor. So they're spotted chickens. They are insanely cute. I mean, (laughs) it should not be legal for something to be that cute. They're they're under my cutie pie uh, labeling of chickens. They are so cute. And You went for cute factor for sure. I really did. (laughs) There was the one that was kind of bearded. So they almost looked like an owl or something. And they just had all the feathers up and down its neck. And I just saw them like, You know, if I keep chickens, like sure, like eggs are great because I eat a lot of eggs, but I also just want one that feels like a companion because I want to hug your chicken every day. I do. I don't know if they're going to hug me back or appreciate (laughs) it. They will. You know what? After everything you're saying, listen to this. I think we have the perfect chicken for you besides the other one. And that is a salmon favorals. Checks all those boxes. Look up that chicken. Beard for days. Our vet actually calls them the Santa Claus chicken because they're just... (laughs) Beard and muff, and they're this beautiful shade of sort of salmony tan, and they have the feathered legs, and they have amazing personalities. They're talkers. I mean, I have to say, Jessica, you probably have exquisite taste in chickens. We can tell. <laughs> I hope <Yes>. I do. <laughs> so I have four salmon favorals. Holly Ann has one. Oh. We know that you would love this chicken. Oh, it sounds so them up, fun. and I'm, you're going to say they were right. I'm with you on the feathered feet, feathered feet all the way. Cochins oh and Brahmas and Langshans and Favarals. <laughs> and I don't have any Duclays, but oh my God. Well, that's on our list the yeah. ones that we want. So, so cute. You yeah. have excellent taste. Yes. Thank you. Very good taste in chickens. <laughs> we like that. 
Okay. So we want to put this out there to our listeners. How can they connect with you guys and all of the wonderful things over at Ogden Publications? Yes. We have a lot of different ways people can connect with us. I'll start with just Mother Earth News, but really the same can be said for all of our other titles. So for Mother Earth News, we have our website, MotherEarthNews.com. We have websites for all of our magazines, whether that's Backyard Poultry, Backyard Beekeeping, anything like that. If for some reason you can't figure out the URL, just Google the name plus magazine and you will find it. We're on social platforms. Facebook is our biggest one, but we're also on Instagram and we have little offshoots, especially from Mother Earth News. If you want to join little groups that maybe is gardening oriented or something like that, we do have a few little offshoots of Facebook groups there. For our Mother Earth News Fair, we have that website as well, motherearthnewsfair.com. If you just want to know what's coming up, how you can connect in person with us and our experts that are in our community, we have a store online that's connected with our Mother Earth News website. So if you want to get products, if you want to find our podcast, that's all on the Mother Earth News website. You'll see very obvious tabs for that. And then our Mother Earth News and Friends podcast, you can find us on, I'd say, probably any major listening platform. You can also just do MotherEarthNews.com slash podcast. That's where you'll find us there. And the same can be said for all of our other titles, Grit, Countryside, Backyard Poultry, Backyard Beekeeping, Goat Journal. We all have websites and social presences for them. And so you can pretty easily find us there. And, And that's how you can connect with us. Feel free to send us a message on social and we have people who can answer you that way. Or if you want to email us directly, it's going to go to us editors. You can do letters at MotherEarthNews.com or letters at Grit.com. If you have questions, we love receiving mail and being able to answer for you. And if you really want to go the extra mile and write to us, we actually get a lot of great letters in and it's so fun. I'm pretty sure somewhere on our Mother Earth News website or even our Ogden Publications website, You can find a mailing address there if you want to write us an old-fashioned letter. And we are so happy to connect with you and answer your questions. Nice. What a A wealth of information. A rich wealth of information. Exactly. It's fantastic. It's been so much fun with you this afternoon, Jess. I mean, just sitting here, getting to know you. You are such a sweet soul and so much fun to talk to. And you bring a lot of light to Ogden Publications and a lot of love to what you do. Thank you so much for talking with us. I'm sure our listeners are going to love hearing all this great stuff about Mother Earth News and Ogden Publications. Thank you so much for having me. I loved being on your podcast and getting to know you. You're both so great. Oh, thank (laughs) you. And again, you have exquisite taste in chickens. (laughs) Thank you again. Have a great weekend and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds great. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. We just want to say one more time, thank you so much to Jess for taking the time to sit down and talk with us. We're looking forward to great things from Backyard Poultry Magazine and the rest of the magazines that have joined the Ogden Publications family. So much fun. Mm-hmm. We love it. Okay. So let's move on to... Cracking the eggs. Cracking those eggs. And this week, we're doing something fun. Let's... Shoot off the fireworks. <laughs> we're doing... This is my strawberry rose celebration cake. Celebrate good times. Come on. Let's celebrate with this cake. (laughs) It's a good cake. (laughs) You know, I was playing around with this. I made this recipe back in June when my roses first started blooming. Right. And the strawberries were ripe. And I wasn't sure how it would turn out. But Pete and I both, like, we had our first piece of it. And we were like, oh, man. (laughs) 
That is good. You're like, let's celebrate some good times with this cake. Yes. I just made it because I was developing the recipe, not because there was a celebration, but it needs a celebration. Yeah. So this is a big recipe that makes a really special cake. The cake base is three layers of vanilla almond cake with a splash of rose water. Then you're going to fill it with a strawberry rose compote. And then you're going to frost it with an ermine icing, also called a cooked buttercream icing. Yay and yum. All that sounds hard. None of it is hard. It's just that you need to make time for the steps. Right. The other thing is you can make the whole thing gluten and dairy free if needed. Of course. That's in all of our recipes. All of our recipes, yes. And we you, both have to be able to eat them. Absolutely. And you will need three fresh eggs for the cake. As always, you want them at room temperature. Yeah, it's one of the things we learned. Easy things that will help your baking taste even better. Mm-hmm. This is so good, especially if you can make the strawberry rose compote from your own strawberries and maybe your own rose water. But if not, we have tested this with store-bought and frozen rose water and strawberries, and it's still ridiculously delicious. Of course. Whatever you can get your hands on. So if you don't have it, hey, it's okay. Yeah. And again, just a reminder, this has several steps, and it's ideal to start it at least a day ahead of time. The strawberry rose compote calls for rose water. Rose water you can buy or you can make your own. I'll link to the easy way to make the rose water. What you want to know is it's not true rose water. It's almost like rose tea. So very easy to make. So just an aside, then you're going to need a pound of strawberries and plenty of sugar. And in this house, you use always plenty of sugar. sugar. The cake and the frosting together, you're going to need four sticks of butter. It's this a is celebration. Sounding cake. like what you maybe you got the recipe out of that cookbook, the very first cookbook in the US. Oh, with pounds and pounds <laughs> of butter. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> no, this one's mine. The cooked buttercream uses two sticks of butter and the cake uses two sticks of butter. I used Earth Balance because I can't do the the real dairy butter. It's worth it. I mean, it's a celebration cake. You're not eating the whole thing by yourself. No, unless you really need to celebrate. <laughs> if you just get a fork and put the cake in front of you, <laughs> just dive right in. I mean, it's okay. It's celebration cake. Exactly. Now, the ermine frosting, the cooked buttercream frosting, it uses flour and granulated sugar. So you're not using like three or four cups of powdered sugar. Right. And it almost has a cream cheesy taste to it. It's so good. The cake itself, you're going to want all-purpose flour or gluten-free all-purpose flour, almond flour, Sugar, the usual suspects, baking powder, salt. We said two sticks of butter, the three eggs, vanilla extract, almond extract, more of the rose water, and two cups of milk or oat milk or other dairy-free milk. The other thing is if you're using salted butter, take the salt out of the exactly. recipe. Because yep. it's already in your butter. So I've never found an unsalted dairy-free butter. Okay. So I automatically omit the salt. But yeah, if you're baking with unsalted butter, use that pinch. If not... I never buy salted butter, ever. It's always I, I never used to either. My needs have changed, so I've got to do what I've got to do. So the way you assemble this cake, it is a triple layer cake. You're going to frost the layer, put the compote on top, and then put the top layer on. Then you're going to frost it the rest of the way. This looks gorgeous with like sugared rose petals. Oh, yeah. Which you use egg white to make. Sugared rose petals and strawberries on the top, or really get creative. Any kind of flowers on the top of this looks amazing. Oh, yeah. Have fun. Put a big shooter of confetti on the top. I like it. (laughs) Actually, I would have used this for my wedding cake. If it were your wedding cake, we just could have put a confetti shooter and been like, I I would not have minded this. When you said I do, Joe and I could have had the big confetti shooter. Oh, the cake could have gone off. (laughs) Fireworks in the background. I like it. That would have been great. You know, because Joe did bake the cake for you guys. I don't know why he persists in saying that. Um, but we, you couldn't do a confetti shooter on my wedding cake because there were sheep on, on top of one and chickens on top of the other. You could have had the chickens and the sheep shooting the confetti. 
Oh my god. <laughs> we could have dressed the chickens up and had them with little confetti shooters walking down. Next, <laughs> next time I get married, I'm going to let you plan the wedding with me. There's not going to be a next time. You're forever with Pete. I know. You know this. Why didn't we have the chickens as flower girls? That I'm disappointed that we did not do. I didn't think about that. With little baskets tucked in their wings, like with the petals. I'm trying to visualize this. We did briefly thought about using Phoebe the lamb. Yeah. All you needed is a bag of animal crackers with her. I just wanted to get through that wedding and drink wine. And that's what happened. We did. We We really did. did. Yeah. That's another story. (laughs) Okay. Moving right along. Okay. So make this cake. Put some confetti shooters on it, take a picture, and send it to us, and we'll give you a story and let us know how delicious you think it is. And once you make it, invite your bestie over, get some coffee, and talk some chickens. You'll have a great time. Don't eat anything beforehand. <laughs> Just eat Come the hungry. The cake, two forks, and coffee cups, and you You're got good. it. You're good. You're golden. You're good. So let's move on to retail therapy. Retail therapy. Yeah. yeah. So we talked last week a lot about listener questions to us regarding crop issues and sauerkraut. Mm -hmm. It's so sad and it happens. So we want you guys to be prepared for these things. So we're going to take another look at crop bras for a retail therapy Mm -hmm. and shout you out some places where you can go to get one. And we're going to also mention the vet wrap bra again. Well, right. If you're on a budget and you do not have access to any place to get a crop bra to you quickly and you're in need of one, a $2 roll of vet wrap. We have a video posted on our YouTube channel, how to make the vet wrap crop bra. It works. I would not use it long term. No, it's good for in a pinch. Right. It can irritate the chicken's skin, especially the skin on her crop. And it often roughs up the feathers, but in a pinch, it is excellent. So let's say you've got your vet wrap crop bra on and you know you need to graduate to something softer, more long-term. Right. And for another reason, besides the irritation, it will loosen. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So then what do you do? What that does is it gives you time to get online and order one right. and use a vet wrap and interim mm-hmm. until you get it. Mm-hmm. So here's one of the times I'm going to say don't go to Amazon because I've done it before. Right. Amazon crop bras are not great. There's only like one or two on there. There might be more since then. And they didn't work. Yeah, they, they didn't. Well, they didn't fit well enough is the problem. The fit wasn't right. They didn't work. Yeah. The best place, believe it or not, to look for these crop bras is Etsy. Lots of crop bras that are handmade, mm-hmm. very tough quality. We've talked about Crazy K Farms. Right. Now, we, we really love feel one. like that is the Lamborghini of crop bras. And we both own multiple We have them just in case we need them. Mm -hmm. If you're going to have a crop issue, you're going to 100% need a crop bra. Right. So Crazy K's model is called the Birdie Bra. Yes. And they do have bantam sizing. Yes. So that would be very, very helpful. They have a plethora of sizing Mm -hmm. from small, medium, large to bantam. Right. And we do call that the Lamborghini of the crop bras. That's the best that you can get. I think the price point's a little over $20. Yeah. It's not bad to have in your arsenal. And you can wash them. Yeah. I've washed them many times. They have long elastic strips and they make them long on purpose because the chickens try to snap at them and they fray and then you just cut them as you go. You can. The other really great thing about them being long is with some chickens, it's better to, instead of tying them like behind their neck and behind their wings, it's better to do a crisscross tie. Yeah. As you use it and you watch your hand with it, you'll figure out which is the best fit. Yeah. It's so important to use a crop bra with crop problems. Mm -hmm. So we want you to check it out. Etsy... You can check. There's a bunch of people that have all different kinds of designs that are handmade. And, you know, this one that we like from Crazy K Farm, it's very soft, very stretchy, Mm -hmm. but you can make it tight. 
right I'm still right. comfortable for them. right and that's one reason why we like it we use it we recommend it but there's different fabrics if you want to get fancy i would recommend highly going to etsy absolutely one of the things we look for if we're trying to buy a crop bra from anyone else is that the person has a bit of chicken experience yeah you can crank out crop bras all day long, but if you've never tied one on a chicken, you don't really understand what they need. It's kind of where I look at the ones from Amazon. They're kind of mass produced and they're not the right style. They don't work yeah, well. Yeah, the one had like a plastic clip. Yeah. They didn't support the crop at all. The it one just, was Velcro I got. It didn't work. It just kept undoing it. They could just undo it themselves. Velcro can work in some circumstances, but again, sometimes you have to play for a while and see what works yeah. for your chicken. Yeah, exactly. So just as a quick reminder, we'll back up for a second. Crop bras. You want crop bras if you have a chicken that needs a crop supported, a slow crop or yes. a pendulous crop after surgery to help support the crop and make sure the chicken doesn't gorge themselves. Or even when the beginning of when it's sour and packed it, you have mm-hmm. to keep it in place. If you're keeping things moving through. Yes. It's great for lots of reasons after surgery, but it covers the stitches as well as supporting the crop after surgery. So yes. that can be very helpful. And we recommend that you get this before you have a problem. If you don't, you always can get vet rep. But if you go out and you spend, I just looked up the price of this one, twenty four ninety nine. You have it in your first aid kit. There is no worry. The more you're prepared for something, the better you can handle whatever situation comes up. You'll feel a little bit better about it. You'll be able to say, okay, I have this. Right. Believe me, it happens. So having this is kind of like having your vet before a problem also. Preparedness. Yeah. So just have one. And if you don't, always have vet wrap. It's very easy to find on our YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. You won't have to search. Like you will have to search for it a little bit on Instagram. But on our YouTube channel, it is right there. And always have a crap bra. So check them out on Etsy. So should we tell everybody what we're talking about next week? Next week, lots and lots of fun. We are doing Andalusian 2.0. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm, good stuff. We are doing a review of our Nestera Coops. And we love them. We absolutely love them. If you are in the U.S. and you haven't seen these coops, you want to listen to this episode. For sure. Our recipe is tortilla-baked eggs. Another different way to enjoy your eggs. It's so easy. It's ridiculously delicious. And retail therapy, we're going to be investigating collectible jadeite chickens. We are huge fans. I'm talking huge of jadeite. We love the jadeite. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. So what should we tell everybody to do until next week? Hug your chickens. Every day and kiss them too. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Thanks for listening. Oh, <laughs>